0: If you want to get stuff done, then you have come to the right place. This is the Get Stuff Done podcast brought to you in association with RDI Worldwide, a weekly interview series with prominent and diverse people from around the world who will share their own unique insights on what it takes to get stuff done and their personal strategies for doing so. My name is Gordon Dudley, the creator of the Get Stuff Done project and host of this podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you enjoy this episode and would love to hear your feedback anytime. Let's get stuff done. Hello, everyone. This is the Get Stuff Done podcast with your host, Gordon Dudley. Thanks for joining us on the latest episode. Today, I am really delighted to be joined by yet another fantastic guest. His name is Ashwin Matthews. He is the CEO of Dopplio, an AI video personalization tool that helps recruiters get more clients and candidates by automating their cold video outreach. He's originally a software engineer, he's currently based in San Diego, USA, and he went from hacking drones at a startup to running a health recruiting firm, which is when we met a couple of years ago. He's gone on a fantastic journey through to selling that and now starting up another company. So he is, without doubt, another great example of someone who can get stuff done. Ashwin, thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So we met uh, now a couple of years ago on a, a program for recruitment agency owners, myself with RDI, and yourself with not Doplio but but another company. Uh, give us the the background on 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 what happened has happened since then.
1: Yeah. So since that program, I think we continued growing, it was Emma Recruiting, the telehealth recruiting firm we started during lockdown. And we the original plan was I was building Emma recruiting with my wife, Emma, who was had a recruiting background. And the original plan was to build it for her to kind of run. And that was going to be her business. But then once we had our first son, you know, priorities kind of changed. And so I started looking for you know, some kind of exit opportunity. And we ended up finding the right one. So we went through the whole M&A process, um, ended up transitioning it to new owners, you know, so kept the company intact, which was really great. And then I moved on to a tech firm, which kind of suits the type of skills and uh, operations I tend to feel more comfortable with.
0: And so let me get this right you 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 started a company you actually did not have any intention to to exit it or to sell it but your circumstances changed and within an incredibly uh, short space of time you were able to successfully sell it and that has now given you the basically the, the the chance to go on to an entirely new project and and do something uh, in in another whole uh, company structure of, of what you 've now since started exactly yeah fantastic i mean uh, like uh, i, I, I 've known you for a while and and i 've told a couple of people um, about your your kind of headline profile, and uh, they are really excited to be able to see this podcast um, and, and hear your story um, because I've, of what I've told them just in that very short, uh, short kind of intro. So, um, you know, tell me a little bit about what it takes to, to do that. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't have the courage to enter into what many people think is kind of risky whilst entering parenthood at the same time. So, so tell, me, <laughs> tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so it was funny. When we started the company, we I think it was August twenty twenty one. Um, me and my wife basically going at it, we came off with a really strong start purely because we were entering entering a very hot market. Uh telehealth, you know, just post COVID lockdown. Um, all that people could do was telehealth. Mental health issues were skyrocketing because of the lockdowns. So it was kind of an explosive area. Hmm. And Throughout that growth, things were going well. And then, you know, Emma got pregnant, which was our intention. Because of that pregnancy, I kind of had a deadline set. I knew that I was going to lose my head recruiter and I was not recruiting at this time. I didn't know anything about recruiting. Um, So I had to build a company to prepare for the exit of our recruiter. So we were kind of forced to build, uh, you know, build it build a company that was ready to sell. It's kind of like that book James used to mention, Built to Sell. And so that was kind of good because it forced our hand to hire early, set up standard op- operating procedures and so on. So it was really, I was really kind of forced into doing it hmm. purely by circumstance, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise.
0: Okay. Um, but so people that start businesses usually are, they can be divided into two types industry specialists practitioners who are really experienced who want to go on and do their own thing keep doing what they're doing but doing it for themselves and others who are like a pure entrepreneur kind of person who who sees an opportunity sees a you know a business uh opportunity gets in and then perhaps not having industry baggage i'll i'll say industry baggage uh applies a very different kind of perspective. So it's clear that uh, actually you and your wife were that perfect combination, her coming from the industry and bringing the necessary uh, knowledge of of the industry landscape, how things work, various processes, but you essentially coming with a kind of clear, non-biased, objective mindset to apply the best kind of processes that you possibly could. It, 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 do you think that's kind of where the, the, uh, the strength
1: came from and how you were able to, to uh, grow so quickly? Uh, 100%. That was exactly the reason we started the company in the first place. And it became a core part of our differenti- uh, differentiator when speaking with clients as well. Uh, we kind of explained that our company had two unique things about it. One, that my wife not only came from a healthcare recruiting background, but came from healthcare itself having studied occupational therapy and worked as a disability support worker. And then me coming from the tech side, especially because our primary clientele were uh, telehealth startups because of all the VC funding that started flooding into the space circa 2020. Okay. Yeah.
0: And, and your market uh, location is the U.S. Any, any international operations
1: I think we may have searched for one or two positions in Canada, but we basically stuck to the U.S. just because we kind of knew those laws and regulations, and mm-hmm. um, it's such a big market on its own. So I, I asked that as a as a leading question.
0: Do you think that uh, your growth was only really possible in a market as? As well developed and uh, and large as the US, I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting here in South Korea in Seoul. Um, it's you know, essentially a country which has one uh, major city that, that dominates, and it you know you, it's not like there are regions within Korea. We we have concentration of um, all the. Commercial and, and industry, um, you know, operations headquarters are all in one city—that is, Seoul. Um, so I'm curious whether whether you feel that also your location um, of the U.S. was also one of the key benefits that you were able to capitalize on.
1: We have wondered this many times as well. Uh, I feel like it is because it seemed like there was never any shortage of companies to reach out to. You know, every single day we were seeing new ones that we'd never heard of pop up. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it was just, I really started to appreciate the reason so many businesses come to America to then try and grow to that next stage. But then I hear so many stories of, you know, recruiters that have a lot of success in a very specific geographical niche as well, like, you know, like James in the Northeast of England and so on. So... I'm not sure if that's because I didn't know where to look or if maybe the nature of our beast was because it was telehealth. All of the U.S. was kind of open to us. But mm. it it certainly felt that way to us, that that was a key component of our growth.
0: Yeah. I mean, of course, uh, when you're setting up a business, timing is critical. Uh, positioning is critical and, you know, service scope and value proposition are all absolutely critical. So it seems that, uh, you were able to, to nail all of those, uh, in, in one. And I also think about when you talked about having a kind of imposed deadline, um, that's very similar to, to my transition out of, uh, working in large corporate. I, I took a, a period of leave, um, which was after our first child was born and before our second. And I then had a very clear deadline. I had 150 days of this leave period um, to really decide whether uh, RDI was, was a viable opportunity or not. And, and and so I was very much aware of that pressure. That That made me definitely act differently than if I was – you know with no real deadline no real pressure and and you know thinking about oh i could i could look at this in terms of months and quarters and and all of a sudden years um without a real pressure and i think again it was it was the the pandemic that brought us together right it was it was a for me a, that was a, a professional development program that i went on out of extreme pressure that the pandemic had created in that first half of 2020, um, I would definitely not like to go back there again uh, because it was it was really um, you know incredibly close to um, to us and not being able to continue. But then, um, you know, it's almost in a sense in the darkest hour. I saw the light. Um, I, you know, I, I realized that I had been, um, you know, in this this kind of consulting field for already at that point uh, over three years. I hadn't been actually investing myself, and that's when, at that moment, I invested in. Um, myself um and the business and and we made a turnaround and you know here here we are now 3 years later um diversifying into into new areas again um which which is absolutely great um so you know you're clearly somebody who knows what it takes to get stuff done and and that's what we try to home in on 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 this podcast is people who are good at doing that Can you share some of your kind of like personal techniques or strategies, methods that you uh, use to, to get stuff done in your daily life?
1: Yeah. So I was watching some of the old uh, episodes of get stuff done and trying to see, you know, think about what my unique method is. I Mm -hmm. think there's, I think you kind of divide it into two areas. There's strategic and then uh, tactical, uh, Strategically, I think the only unique thing I do is I place a lot of value on the amount of energy a task takes. So uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm doing most of this company by myself. Um, I didn't raise any outside funding. It's bootstrapped from our company sale of Emma Recruiting. So I'm doing most of the coding myself. So because of that, it's very easy to get burned out. So what I do is I have tasks that are just as high value, but in different domains, say one is engineering, one is marketing. And when I get tired of one, often what I used to do is I'd take a break, but I wouldn't just mm-hmm. do nothing. I would do some other task. right? I'd like maybe play video games or uh, go on a run, play a sport. And so I've kind of found a way to then switch gears into a different task that's still in the business, kind of moving for- moving us forward. And I sort of okay. call it like mental. Uh, crop what do they call that crop circulation crop rotation that's right uh, okay forest. yeah they'll grow different crops yeah in season, season by season, season. yeah yeah and that's kind of how i view that that was one thing okay. that I did. uh
0: mental yeah. crop rotation okay
1: mental crop rotation exactly I, I
0: love it i love it and so are you talking about even within the space of a day i mean when you're breaking down a, a working period you're, you're doing that as well
1: Exactly. Uh, I I tend not to have real strict schedules with like time, time, time box stuff. I know it works really well for some people, but for me, it just doesn't. So what I'll do is I'll just focus on my task and try and get it done. And if I'm having trouble concentrating because I've been at it too long, I will obviously take a break, go outside for a bit, but then I'll switch to a completely different domain that I still find interesting. Uh, like maybe I want to learn about marketing, so I'll go read the Alex Formose book or, uh, you know, watch like a YouTube video that covers the tools that I need to install that I'm kind of excited to learn about.
0: Yeah. I think, I think I have to share with, uh, with everyone. One of my definite takeaways from knowing you is that you are always continuously seeing what the latest, best new developing technology and, and tools are. I think you, you clearly have a thirst to To get uh, you know into that those kind of things, and I think that obviously um, you know percolates um, into into your business to be able to develop the the best possible uh, processes. Is that something that just kind of came naturally to you, or, or is that
1: something that you you consciously do? Uh, I am definitely interested in it from a young age. I just find technology very fun. Something you can do kind of remotely from anywhere. but I think also I the job I had when I was hacking drones, that um, was at a local startup here in San Diego. I remember my CEO telling me that one strategy they'd employ is the computer industry is often and the tech industry is often very far ahead of other industries just because of the nature of the progress. You can mm-hmm. build the equivalent of a skyscape skyscraper in software. And tear it down and rebuild it completely different in like one day right which you can't do in other industries because of physical limitations and so they would he thought that there was a lot of value in finding strategies that worked in tech and applying them to other industries and so once i saw this pattern i thought that this would be a cool thing to bring to recruiting once we started our recruiting business so i would look for patterns in both technology and, more specifically, in information security and cybersecurity, which is like the bleeding edge of the tech industry itself, in my opinion. And so, once I saw that, I couldn't unsee it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I,
0: you, you've you've explained it in very simple terms, which which is, uh, uh, you know, somebody who who is uh, good at communicating. But actually, that that's a pretty uh, smart uh, and intuitive uh, insight to have, and I think that's definitely um, you know uh, clearly uh, led, led to led to your success. Tell me then um, you know what where were you at when it came to deciding your latest venture with Dopplio and and how did you see that
1: um, opportunity how did how did that come about so this actually came about very organically um, I had Obviously, always wanted to try and build a company, a, a tech company. And this came about because, again, of our kid. Uh, me and Emma, I think around November 2021, when it was just me and her, she was pregnant and getting quite tired of doing looms all day. She was doing spending about two hours, and I'm, I'm sure maybe you know this pain, two hours a day recording mostly the same video. Because when we sent them to clients, they just loved them so much that we'd get so much new business. And... Phoenix booked. But two hours a day, as she was in her first trimester just got so stressful that she said, Ashwin, I can't do this anymore. Can you figure out some way to get me out of this? So I spent maybe two or three days and just wrote a quick Python script that uh, quick and dirty, but it worked. And that was what ended up being the very first iteration of Dopplio. And we used that internally for a year, and sent out 1000s of videos. And it just worked so well that when we showed people at uh, the in-person meetups for that recruiting program we did, others started us asking us for it. And that's how Daplio was born. It's absolutely
0: fantastic. I mean, I mean, I hope in the future you'll write a book about this, um, you know, and how it happened. I mean, I mean, again, you make it sound so simple um, and you, and you, you put it in um, such uh, kind of casual terms in, in the best possible way. Um, but you know, that, that, you know, 99.9% of people don't, um, see that, um, and then uh, act on it, let alone actually make it happen. So what's the origin of the name, Doppelio?
1: It was supposed to be, I was looking to call it Doppel, based off Doppelganger, because you're essentially cloning yourself, right? Uh, But as common with many startup names, all the good domains were taken, Doppel.co, Doppel.com. So we slightly modified it to Doppelio.
0: I see. Okay. But it's, that's still the, 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 kind of the essence of, of the, of the moon. Okay. That's, that, that's interesting. And so, and so now what, 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 what kind of stage are you at now? You said that, um, you know, you had been running the business entirely yourself. Um, what, what, what are, what are the future plans for, for Dopplio?
1: So right now we, uh, have customers, you know, we're focused on marketing and c- customer success at the moment. Um, I think our biggest push right now is to build in some bulk generation features. Uh, currently, users will generate videos one by one, and we want to create a way where they can generate 101 go. Uh, that way, you know, just reducing the time needed to be spent on these videos so that people can focus on more of the authentic connection side of recruiting and kind of the more revenue-generating activities, just freeing them up from the mundane tasks, basically.
0: Okay. And
1: and how are you planning on doing that going into 2024? Uh, you know, just putting my headphones on and going at it. Uh, it's a lot of engineering work at the moment. I have some okay. subcontractors, but uh, this type of work I like, I almost enjoy doing myself and it gives me energy. Like I said, it's one of those tasks I can just switch into and uh, build up enthusiasm for the product, I guess okay
0: um and how about your your personal kind of like work situation uh you know there there's many people who were office based prior to the pandemic since um I, you know went work from home virtual and now companies are you know calling them back to be to be office based or at least hybrid. Um, Where are you with that and and what's your your personal preference on on that
1: front? Um, I had an in-person job before the pandemic, uh, the drone hacking job, which Mm -hmm. went to kind of a hybrid setup during the pandemic or afterwards. I think hybrid is my favorite uh, just because I've been purely remote working by myself in uh, my house for the last two years. And it is really nice having the option to go in and work with others, whereas yep. still being able to stay home and you know being able to see my son every day, see him at lunch break, really valuable to me as well. So hybrid is definitely yeah. my choice. Yeah, definitely. I I think uh, sometimes. Sometimes the importance
0: is just having the option, even, even you don't exercise the option all the time. Having the option is, is already uh, mentally satisfying. I think, I think that's, uh, that's the, uh, the way to say it. Um, so, so, you know, you clearly have an ability to create uh, your products and, and services uh, yourself. What do you see as the biggest challenge? when it comes to kind of bringing them to market uh, what is it that that is the hardest part of of your job if you like the hardest part
1: for me is uh for me i think it's a unique problem in that i have not struggled with knowing what to build for me it's purely just the time constraint of building it that's what takes me the longest but i think from what I hear from others, some of the hardest part is knowing exactly what to build itself. Um, I don't know if you've heard this term solution in search of a problem. Have you heard that before?
0: Yeah, I can, I haven't heard it before,
1: but I can totally identify with it. Yep. It, it's very common for us engineers to, uh, and I'm definitely guilty of this to want to build something first, just cause we like building things. And we write a solution to a problem that no one really has. And so I think that's something I'm hyper aware of. I'm, off, you know, I'm often one to jump quickly to writing code. And so because I'm so cognizant of not having enough time, it's forced me to not make that mistake as much. So for me, my biggest time constraint is just time management, not in the sense that I'm managing it badly, but just that there's so much to be done. And because I haven't raised any funds, I don't have a team that I can parallel, parallelize things with. Apart from Mm -hmm. a couple of contractors that help me out with the AI work and some web design stuff and so on. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's been a lot of talk in the, the media recently about, um, the, the infiltration of, of AI into recruiting, into, into HR, Um, And, of course, the headlines that that always win the day are the the shock ones, right? The ones that, like, you know, the clickbaits, the ones that that scare people. Um, I think you, perhaps more than most people, have, you know, a a better sense of the opportunities that that AI has for us. Where, Where do you see things right now specifically with regards to recruitment and recruitment services?
1: I feel like for a long time, you know, the last five, ten years, the we've automated almost every part of recruiting and sales except that one part with human connection. And what I'm starting to see is that the breakthroughs happening every week are facilitating an encroachment on that human connection to where computers can actually start to do more and more of that. Um, definitely not at the place where it can replace it and. You know, I believe that maybe it never will, but I'm starting to see things like that Air AI call. I don't know if you saw that or heard about that. It was... Uh, it's no, I didn't. Not familiar. Okay. I shared the post. Yeah, you can check it out after, but it's sure. a completely AI generated cold call, which is actually closing a customer live for a sale, albeit a very simple sale. It's getting someone to come into the Tesla showroom for a, for a test drive, but okay nonetheless it got them something that they didn't have before and a human didn't have to do it yeah i mean i mean that's that's
0: that's literally it um that i think i think it's easy with 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 any kind of new technology to just try to like people like to think you know how is it going to change the world well nothing changes the world overnight but with that example that you gave there there's absolutely uh, some huge ex- you know contexts and and examples cases where it, c- it can make a big difference you know just by that one uh, in that one situation um you know definitely if people get more comfortable you know, if if it's a point where you're not able to recognize then that comfort is already uh, guaranteed, you know. If you're not able to detect the difference uh, between a real person and an AI-generated uh, operator, then then you, you you're not going to have any concerns or, or, or worries. Um, so, you know, I guess that that's one uh, element of it. And and then with regards to uh, with with HR, you know, a lot of uh, companies they somehow keep recruitment as something that has to be done by people. Maybe it's because, you know, recruitment falls under HR, HR is human resources, the people department. And and, and so there's somehow a a, a kind of a hesitancy or, or, you know, a resistance to that do you see that changing or or if you don't see it changing any any ways that you think we could speed up that process to to help the adoption of of technology into into hr uh
1: i uh, that's a good question i i do feel like i think if the tool works and people can't tell the difference i think it will be used um, as an end user i know i personally always get frustrated if I get an AI chatbot and I try and talk to a human as soon as I can. But I guess if it was as realistic as a human to me, I guess I wouldn't mind as long as I was getting the answers I needed. So I guess to answer your question, I think, I would think that maybe, uh, I'd say like maybe a 60% chance that it does happen and that humans do get removed from that, uh, that aspect a little bit. I do think at some higher level roles where it becomes more about network and um less about qualifications and more about like deep repeated conversations, more headhunting style. I feel like that will never be replaced by AI. But again, I could be completely wrong. Maybe it could blow us all out of the water uh in 2024.
0: Yeah, I I, I guess that's that's the uh the, the challenging point is the, the, the constant evolution uh, of the technology means that you, you've got to kind of uh, stay ahead. And, and that's what's great about um, professional communities, like like the one that we were in together, right, um, where we were sharing uh, best practices. And especially because uh, we were well, – I don't know how many different countries were represented in that, in that uh, group, but at least half a dozen, if not more – and so it's interesting for me. I mean, I was certainly the only one based in Korea. Um, so it's always interesting to hear how things are done in other countries. Um, is that also something that you've been able to uh, to take away? And, and have you seen any uh, different uh, ways of doing things in other countries that you've adopted or, or um, introduced into into your company?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um Yes, but maybe a little bit more indirectly. Um Mm -hmm. I know I've lived a very international life myself. Like my parents are Indian from India. I born in the US, my wife's from Australia, I lived in, you know, Canada and studied abroad in Sweden and all that. I try and pick some of the best things from each country. That's how I try and live my life. And we noticed that people, you know, especially people coming from the Commonwealth. Like UK and my wife, when she was recruiting, her accent was a really big hit, and I kind of learned to see like what uh, British people did that made them so, you know, socially pleasant to be around. And it was those rules that they teach you. I think that famous book, Never Split the Difference, teaches this: um, when someone says something, agree and add, right, to build rapport. Mm-hmm. And when we were building our company, we made that as part of the training, like breaking down into tactics, rapport building, very explicit and teaching agree and add um, framing and all sorts of things. And I feel like a lot of that came from the exposure I had to the different countries and just how they took an approach to rapport building. But that's the main one that pops into my head. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I I also, uh, I mean, I'm, Obviously, a foreigner uh, living in in Korea have done for the last thirteen years. Previously lived in in the U.S. and Germany, uh, originally from the UK. So, so I, I love the fact that you've uh, tried to take the best uh, bits of of each um, of each country that you've that you've experienced. Uh, because I think definitely um, we we le- you know learn best from our experiences, um, and and that's where we can we can take the most into it. So I, I'm curious then if you have quite an international background, you, you have um, those experiences that uh, that you have in your background and and also your your, your personal situation. Um, does that give you uh, more intention or, or future inclination to try to expand overseas?
1: Um. I think, I think maybe, purely from the sense of I call it global arbitrage. I feel like the world is just one global world now, and mm-hmm. for example, we hired our recruiters from South Africa because we realized that they have. M- my wife was getting mistaken for South African
0: often, okay,
1: and I realized that they have that same sense of uh, Commonwealth sociability and the accent certainly doesn't hurt. And so that's why we started recruiting from there, which worked really well for us. Uh, And obviously hiring from the Philippines for virtual assistance, um, pretty much just looking at the different cultures and obviously the currency rates and who has good infrastructure and work ethic. Um, We we hire our teams globally now. And I think a lot of teams will be doing that in the future, unless Mm -hmm. there's a hard requirement to be in person. I, I, sure. Maybe it's primed me more towards that, but I definitely feel very comfortable navigating different holiday schemes, different culture, uh, work cultures, and so on. That's that's global mindset in in a nutshell. I think. Um,
0: how about your customer base? I mean, is is Dopplio totally um, you know kind of la- not language dependent, or or, or how do, how does it work in that aspect?
1: Yeah, we're very. It's technically not, but I think the voice AI works much better with English speakers and especially okay. with American English. So okay. that's probably our biggest limitation. Um, most of our users, I think, are in the US, Australia, and a bit of Europe. But okay. by far, it probably works the best with American accents right now.
0: I see. well I think I better uh, work on my my american accent because uh, it's a bit rusty since I since I uh, lived in new york um during my uh, first year out of uh, out of uni so but um i mean definitely um you know the it, it's interesting because I, I do remember there was a really long time ago you know the headline that we were going to have pure live voice to voice translation any any language to any language and um you know we still don't have that um you know really you know functioning well but um for translation i mean definitely um you know i'm using chat gpt now and it's definitely way better than any other um Online dictionary or any online translation that that I've ever used, I um, will make clear that going Korean to English is definitely um, more accurate than going English to Korean. There's still a lot of contextual-based um, uh, grammar and uh, vocabulary that that doesn't um, get translated well. But but Korean into English is is I'm almost making no. Uh, changes or edits and it's and it's almost ready for for business use so that's that's uh certainly
1: certainly fantastic um so you're using it quite regularly chat gpt
0: yeah i i'm mostly using it um not so much i mean i I use it personally for translation um not so much in the business for translation because we we run um our business you know almost entirely in english but uh, where i'm using chat gpt in the business is for the uh summarization or ex- expansion of text so when i want to shorten something or lengthen something on text that i already have that's that's where i tend to to use it um i'm i'm i'll be honest i'm i'm only dabbling i'm not really um you know fully embracing it yet um I, I guess that's, that's something that I should uh, also look at um, myself. How
1: about you? Yeah, I actually only just signed up for the pro version of ChatGPT, but I've been using it daily pretty much since it came out. Um, okay. Probably my it's very useful for code, as you can imagine. So whether I'm asking it to sketch out a structure for me or I'll just copy and paste a project in and say, explain what this code does, and it does a pretty good job like being able to talk with a code base you know yeah yeah i mean i
0: i think um the most similar tool um is for me that that i'm using on a on a really daily, daily basis is with candidate calls on on google meets um so so we use a tool that um it just sits in there records the entire um session that it has a full transcript but the value piece is where it summarizes and extracts the the, the key meaning or the key points. So you know that uh, that summarization part that used to take you know literally extra time after finishing every conversation is now just essentially automated, and that's that's huge. Um, of course, you you need to check and just make sure that it's it's right, but it usually is. Um, So that's, you know, uh, you know, finding these, it's like, it's like, you know, discovering gold, you know, know, we've been spending so much time doing this and then just boom, now we're not doing this anymore. Um, I mean, that's, that's literally the advancement of of technology. So, Um, right, uh, Ashwin, we are almost out of time. So um, there's just a, one one last question I want to ask you, which is um, probably a lot of people who listen to the podcast um, feel they're not uh, brave enough to to go out on their own. They, they maybe have aspirations to set up a business, but they maybe feel that they're not old enough or they don't have enough experience or they're not good enough or whatever kind of reasons that they can come up with you've uh gone and done that and uh, you're now in a, a second business um within uh you know a, a post covid era era already a short a short space of time what what would you say to people who are thinking about doing it but putting it off or 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 not not taking the
1: plunge i would say that the one thing that surprised me the most when seeing all the people in james's program and i've done a A software-based group as well, is that pretty much everyone that stuck with it made it. Uh, Pretty much everyone that just kept coming back and doing the work made it. So I would say that it's actually more achievable than I originally thought before I'd ever dabbled in business, Uh, especially if you get yourself some kind of mentorship. Uh, That was probably the biggest thing. But yeah, most people I see that have stuck with it and have done the work have eventually succeeded with it. So I'm hoping that that's us as well. But it was very heartening to see, especially people that came in with no prior knowledge of the industry, such as in James's program. And they were seeing very good results. Like that was very, uh, I guess you could say reassuring to me coming in because I also had no mm-hmm. background in that sort of thing.
0: Right. Right.
1: Right. So, uh, so if, if
0: the fundamentals are right, then it's it's much easier to to be successful um than people think and I, I i guess that it that that it's great to hear because you know people um will forever put up barriers and i think a, a large part of the message that we're trying to put across with the get stuff done podcast is that um you 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 just got to try you you've got to um you got to get started um and you won't know until you started whether um, it's it's going to work or not, and and I think people sometimes um, you know the, the other part of it is that is that life is long, right? Um, you know, there's that there's that fantastic list online which shows uh, all the all you know many famous entrepreneurs over the last hundred years who actually only got started in their thirties, forties, fifties, and even sixties. Um, you know, I I was in my thirties when when i when i started uh, my business here i am now uh, 7 7 years on um still going so um yeah um on that note um I, I want to wrap it up um thank you ashwin so much for for being a guest thank you for for not uh, making any comments about my Christmas jumper that uh, that i'm wearing today, um, seeing as it is uh, that time of year um, I'm reflecting the snow outside um, that uh, it's snowing right now here in Gangnam in Seoul, um, so I thought I'd bring it bring it inside um. To to everybody listening, Uh, thanks for being with us uh, for another episode of the Get Stuff Done podcast. And thanks for for listening. I do hope that you uh, will subscribe so that you can keep up to date with all of our weekly episodes. And I will endeavor to keep bringing you more fantastic guests every week uh, to you every Thursday. Um, This is going to be the last episode of 2023. But um, I'm really looking forward to 2024 and more guests um, and more tips and techniques of how to get stuff done. Ashwin, thanks so much for being a guest today. Oh, Thanks for having me. Good to see you, Gordon. Thanks everybody. And hope to see you on the next episode soon. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to the get stuff done podcast. If you would like to be a guest in the future, please do reach out. Or if you would like to recommend someone, that would be awesome as well. Make sure you keep listening as we will be bringing you fresh insights every week because getting stuff done is something everyone needs.